you may not have in front of you, I'll just remind you that the outline for this sermon series listed in there a description for today's message. And as you noticed, when Doug preached for me, I was not Doug, and today Doug is not me. Say that back and forth about three or four times. Today's outline talks about the anticipation of a complete newness. And it says this, it's not radical to think about making everything new. This newness must be consistent with God's sovereignty as well as his compassion. It must be in God's good news to be thoroughly and completely new in the Lord as individuals and as a community. And that's very important that we understand that as individuals and as a community. Let us escape from our overly individualistic ways of thinking. Now, um, we're going to journey through uh, this passage that Doug read. But I would like to, uh, I would like to actually begin by going back to chapter 1 of Revelation. And here's what John says in chapter 1 in the very first verses. He, his prologue is this, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him, gave him to show uh, his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads these words of, it, of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it because the time is near. Now you may say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. Well, um, we also know that a 1,000 years is like a day to the Lord, and there's a scripture passage that talks about that. We can't begin to understand the timing of God, but what is clear throughout the Gospels and throughout the writings of the New Testament was that Jesus' disciples were, were always taught to live with a sense of urgency, a sense of, of now is the time. We don't wait until we express our faith. We don't wait until everything is lined up around us. And we're called to make a difference right here, right now, to make things all, all new and to enable the newness of, of God's new revelation through Christ to come into reality. And for that to happen... It needs to be uh, done by and, and it needs to be accomplished through people who are willing to take up God's word and live it. And that's what he's saying here is, blessed are those who read these words that are from God and are willing to take it to heart and live it. Now, let's step back for just a bit. It was a very distressing week 
in news articles for me. I try to keep up with the news. Sometimes I give it up for a while just to regain my sanity. But there were three stories that struck me this week. And two were in one direction and one was in a different direction. And I think that is, that's symbolic. I'll let you make the application. First one comes out of Pierce County, Washington. Prosecutors filed assault charges against a teen who was caught on camera attacking a high school student with autism. And students stood and watched, and one actually filmed it. In this situation, the article says there were several bystanders. Many refused to write statements and to share any specifics around the, the incident that they witnessed. The 15-year-old boy had no idea what was going on or why, but was badly beaten. Second, this one out of Howell High School, in which uh, there were charges against... Uh, against a number of teens who attacked and beat up a teen student with autism at Howell Skate Park last month. The prosecutors announced that three teens whose names were not released were charged in with assault and intent to commit great bodily harm in connection with the incident. The incident was also caught on video. They actually had lured the victim to go around to the back of the building out of sight of anybody else. And once they were behind the, the building, they attacked the victim. Pushed him down, punched him, kicked him. Ultimately stole his shoes. The video showed the victim yelling in pain. How can these unprovoked attacks happen? It's one thing if you have someone in general, but to go to the level of inhumanity to where not only don't you care, no moral conscience whatsoever, and frankly, in those situations... I may, be, I may be stepping on toes or maybe out of line, but I would prosecute those who film it just as much as the ones who do it. The inhumanity. Contrast that with Revelation. Where there is a time where all things could be made new. Where there is a time where we actually love people the way that God loves us. That we do just the opposite. We sang early this morning in the service, shine, Jesus, shine. And I never thought about some of the words before I did this morning in the context of thinking about how our calling as believers is to shine 
the opposite of these stories every day. To be willing to step in the gap for those who can't take care of themselves, for those who struggle, and for those who don't deserve to have that kind of brutality. And we live in a culture, and it's time to ask the question, what about our culture is fostering these type of attacks, this type of mentality, and acknowledging and just accepting, well, it's just normal behavior. No, it's not. Maybe in, in hell it is, but not in the kingdom of God and not in the community of believers. We do not express that form of Jesus by sitting back and watching that without stepping in and without having the opposite impact. If we're going to shine like Jesus shined, we're going to make a difference in this world. One other story that was my saving grace in my news reading. There was a mom that on TikTok asked a Chick-fil-A employee if her son with autism could practice ordering food on his own. It's an incredible lesson in the power of kindness. It was a long shot. It was tough. And it would mean that in this sole row, and if you've ever been to Chick-fil-A, there's a row. You're, you're, they run you through pretty fast, but there's a lot of people, and they're trying to get a lot of people through, and they're busy, and they're busy, and they're busy. And the mother asked if the person that was working with them, his name was Xavier, if he wouldn't mind going to her son's window in, in the back seat to take the order and kind of coached him through that. Without even asking a question or hesitating at all, Xavier heads to the other side of the car. And the mom tells him he's got a speech-generating device because he's, not, he's nonverbal. M much of, of what he has is nonverbal and can't be understood. And so then she tells her son to tell him what you need. And this process takes time because the person says, Xavier says, is, is that a fish sandwich? No, not a fish sandwich. He gets corrected and it's back and forth. And of course, there's people lined up waiting, right? And we just don't have time for this kind of stuff. We don't have time to be kind to people. We don't have time to love. Xavier did. And he was supported fully by a company that is founded on faith principles. Well, I won't go through the whole story except this process of pointing to pictures on the menu and Xavier verifying a spicy deluxe with lettuce and tomato, yes, and then to go to the drink and Xavier verifies, did he point to the right thing? Yes, that's what he wants. And then he wanted a Coke to drink. And 
the mother is coaching this all along and says at the end of it, I am so proud of you. You did it. Yay, you said you want a chicken sandwich with a Coke and you paid for your food even. And the mother praises her son with a big high five. And this got many, many, many views because of the power of good over evil. I'll take this story over the two others any day. So this passage in John, in Revelation, is the story of John who is describing what he saw of the church triumph in its heavenly glory, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. It was this vision that was being given so that the lamb purifies and it changes the way we live and makes us and makes all things new. And it is a call for us in the faith to change our lives around the things that make a difference toward the kingdom of heaven. So many people want to say, well, isn't Revelation really just about the end times and about what happens in heaven? Yes, it is. But then let's go back to the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. We're called to bring the kingdom here now, not just wait for when we get to go after we're gone here. And so we are encouraged that we are to bring the effect of the tree of life here and to embrace a life of a joyful purpose, anticipating the serving of God in heaven and right here, right now. All of the book of Revelation was the story of the letters to the churches that they would get back on track. And if there's ever a time, not just our church, but every church across the globe, now is the time to get back on track according to the teaching of Revelation, calling all of the churches back to the central point of representing Christ and the redeeming work of Christ and bringing it to a reality here and now on earth. Ensuring that when Christ says one last time, he who testifies to these things says, surely I'm coming soon. We are ready for that coming whenever it happens. In John 13, 34, Jesus is recorded saying, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. Loving our neighbor is as old as the law. So the command to love isn't particularly new. But what is new is right now our culture is winning the war of training people that you don't need the church, you don't need community, you don't need to plant yourself with other believers, and you don't need to worry about what you believe 
any different from anybody else across the, the land. And in other words, the constant process of Satan is to leave us in the curse of Genesis. And the constant vision of Christ is to release us from the curse of Genesis. And that's what he meant by a new revelation was that we were called, we are called to be able to be freed and to break that curse, whatever it is, so that we can establish the kingdom of God here and now. And we do still grieve loss as the families dug that we prayed for this morning, the Yoder family and the Hernley family. And many others have lost loved ones recently. We grieve that. But our grieving must be turned into taking the faith and the victory and the joy that they brought to our lives and realizing they're not grieving anymore as people of faith. They have nothing to grieve. Because all things are made new. And we believe that there is hope. And one of the things that I have, I have struggled with is that many Christians just think, well, we'll just wait until we get there and then everything will be, we, will be good. And so let, let's just go back to Revelation 22 and do a quick walkthrough of, of those, those nine verses. Um, John is saying that the angel showed him the river of the water of life uh, as, a, as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. All of this is imagery of saying, no, that's not normal. That doesn't happen in our world. It does in heaven because all things are new. And so the, um, the apostle... Uh, and anticipated the return of the master momentarily. And we also are called to anticipate it as well. And, uh, and so uh, it goes on to say there will no longer be any curse in verse 3. That's the main difference. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. In other words, their identity will be sure. And I, I just want to stop here and just say this. Our biggest battle right now is not in the political scene. Our biggest battle right now is not in what we believe, what we practice. It's not in which songs we sing or it's not in um, how much money we have or how we're doing in our budget. Our biggest battle right now is not in the policies of the state or the policies of, the, the, of Washington. Our biggest battle right now is that because of the curse and because of the cultural trend to push the church into hiding again, which is the opposite of shining, there are 
millions and millions of people who feel that they are unworthy, feel that they are inferior, feel depressed, down, feel like they are lost, feel like there is no hope, and that nobody understands what they're going through. And that's the church's problem. That's our problem. And I won't do this, but I'll tell you what flashed across my brain in the middle of the night was to see if there would be someone with the courage in the congregation to stand up and say, I'm struggling. Someone with the courage to stand up and say, I don't feel like I'm worth anything. Someone with the courage to stand up and say, I feel all alone. I don't feel like I'm doing very well. Because frankly, there would be a lot more of us at times than you could imagine. And then what I visioned in my head was that then, then we would also say, now you church, how are you going to respond to that? And there would be a rising up and people would stand and people would just gather around those persons and say in no uncertain terms, we stand as angels of the Lord with you. We will not stop praying for you. You are not alone and we will not give in and we will not cower to this kind of ugly behavior in a world that is making us feel that way because we are children of God. And we will stand on that and we as a community of believers will stand with you. I think our whole future as a church has nothing to do with our ministries or our programs or our style of worship or anything else we do in ministry as much as it has to do with the absolute conviction that we will stand and walk with each other no matter what may come. If we can do that as a church, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what numbers are. It doesn't matter. Nothing else matters except that we stand as a new creation, that we stand in the name of John's revelation, that we are going to usher in hope and encouragement and blessing and an identity. I am a child of God and I will not turn my identity over to a world that wants to destroy and undermine and make me feel lousy about all that I'm going through. That's our battle. That's our battle. It's not just a unique battle to our congregation. It's a battle for the church across all nations. Because it's a battle of whether or not we will allow the revelation message of new creation to come into this world and establish the truth and, and knowledge and work of Jesus Christ here and now. This vision of all things being made new 
is great when it's our time to go. But until then, we're called to be the new revelation to those around us. In verse 6, the angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. He goes on to say uh, that the Lord God who inspires the prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things that must take place soon. In other words, we are called to believe that these words are true. We're called to look for these things to take place. We're called, in verse 7, it says, Look, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of prophecy written in this scroll. What does that mean? It means that I will hold fast to the word of God and his teaching. And his work through Jesus Christ is to be established once and for all in our lives. And then this call to sort of not only keep the prophecy, but um, notice this, and this is a really interesting one. I find it uh, that this is probably, I actually thought about starting the message with this, because it's probably the most powerful thing in this. It's odd. I don't know if it struck you, but at the very end of this passage that was read, it says, I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I had heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. Oh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a, kind of a, an odd phrase for an angel to say, hey, don't do that. <laughs> you know, we as parents have said that a million times. Now, son, daughter, don't do that. That's not what we do. Get your finger out of the socket. You know, uh, we don't do those things, right? You know, and an angel saying, John, don't do that. Here's the power of this. The angel says, I'm a fellow servant with you. And with your fellow prophets and with all who keep the words of this scroll, worship God. And here's part of the problem that we have, if we're honest. We get caught up in the events of our day. We get caught up in the even the news stories. We get caught up in all kinds of opinions and views. And we get caught up in all of this. And we hold it so important. And I think the angel would say to us, don't do that. No, no, you're missing the point. You're worshiping creation. You're worshiping the outcome. You're worshiping the manifestation. Even if Jesus heals which is awesome and great. God is saying through this angel, don't worship the healing. Worship the God who's the one who heals. Worship the source of that healing. That's what God is doing. Everything about what God is doing is to get his people to the point where we worship and have a communion and a relationship with God. I just find this a profound 
and yet so interesting a way to express this. It's our tendency like John to bow down and worship the things that we are in awe of. And the angel is saying, look, and it reminds me of when, well, I'm going to jump to the side. It reminds me of when Paul was saying, some of you are talking about worshiping Apollos and some Paul. And, and, and Paul goes on to say, look, we're all just fellow workers. We're all working at that. You don't worship somebody else. Worship God. Give God thanks. Give credit to God for the things that God is doing and the strength that God provides. I just think that this whole imagery of becoming new is an amazing thing. Let me just share a couple of passages very quickly. Um, the, um, in, uh, in, in this passage of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, Therefore, if, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old, because I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. I would point you to, I won't take time to read it now, but go back and read Ephesians 4, 17. You know, uh, Paul is saying to the Ephesian church, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding, separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. And then he goes on to talk about putting off the old self and being made new in the attitude of your minds. That's what we're called to do. Constantly allowing God to bring new things and to make us new. That's the power of it. Matthew 14, 16. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp on it and put it under a bowl. John 14. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. So don't look for it in the world. Don't look for it here. Don't do that. Look for it. With God. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. And Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. I'm thinking about, and I need to wrap up here. Um, I'm thinking about some of the songs that have kept hearing. And I... I, you know, I'm not a believer of developing a theology only out of listening to songs on the radio. I am a believer when I hear songs that clearly reflect a biblical truth. You tell me if these are contradictory to scripture. For king and country, God only knows. God only knows what you've been through. God only knows what they say about you. God only knows the real you, but there's a kind of love that God only knows. In a song called Rescue, I, I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. I will send out an army 
to find you in the darkest night. It's true, I will rescue you. The Father's house, love is breaking through when the Father's in the room. Lay your burdens down here in the Father's house. Check your shame at the door. Because shame doesn't live here and it ain't welcome anymore is the way it says it. It ain't welcome anymore. I don't care if that's grammatically correct or not. It's true. It's not welcome here. You come to this place. You're welcome. No longer slaves. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. I will fear no more. You're my courage when I worry in the dead of night. You're my strength because I'm not strong enough to win this fight. You're greater than the battle raging in my mind. I will trust you, Lord. I will fear no more. And hold on to me. When the best of me is barely breathing, when I'm not somebody I believe in, hold on to me. It's a prayer of God. I believe that we are called to bring the kingdom of God to reality here and now. I believe when Paul says in 2 Corinthians, therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. It's clearly a call to go forth in that ministry, in everything we do every single day. And I would just close by saying one last song, Scars in Heaven by Casting Crowns. If I had only known the last time would be the last time, I would have put off all the things I had to do. I would have stayed a little longer and held on a little tighter. Now what I'd give, give for one more day with you because there's a wound here in my heart where something's missing and they tell me that it's going to heal with time. But I know you're in a place where all your wounds have been erased and knowing yours are healed is healing mine. The only scars in heaven they won't belong to me and you. There'll be no such thing as broken and the old will be made new. And the thought that makes me smile now, right now, even as tears fall down, is that the only scars in heaven are on the hands that hold you now. May you experience, may we together experience the hands of Jesus holding us now. And please, please, please pray for those who sit close to you, go through the directory every week and think about praying for each other and lifting each other up so that you know that you have the hands of Jesus you also have the hands of the community of believers who will not be satisfied until all things are restored and there is healing and you know without a doubt and with great joy that you are made new 
as a child of God. Amen.